Welcome to Motherhood on Tap, the podcast for mamas who had a brain fart. I couldn't remember what I was supposed to say. We laugh through the struggles of parenting. I am actively laughing through the struggles of parenting. Wow. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah Duncan. And I'm Pamela Walker-Dees. And once again, I've got baby Riley strapped to my chest here. He seems kind of snug. He seems like a little snug bug right now. All I see is the back of his head and his massive loads of hair. I hope he will be a a quiet little snug bug. He's he's been sleeping a lot today. Like, I've had a really hard time keeping him awake. I think he's going through a growth spurt, which, but that also means that he's waking up to eat at very irregular intervals. So, hopefully, it won't be like 20 minutes into it's like, I'm awake, I want to eat. I want the boob. I want the boob. We shall see. Well, with the time that we do have, what are we drinking tonight? Let's see. This is from F. Stephen Millier. It's a Pinot Grigio from Sarah Stash. Uh, up here it says Angel's Reserve. So wow, for a second sure. I, really, I thought that was a lo- like a, a city location. Like, oh, where's Sarah Stash? I never heard of that. Oh, Sarah's <laughs> Stash. Um, the, 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 it's a lawn day. <laughs> My country accent, Sarah Stash. Sarah. Yes, and this comes from um, California. Fantastic. Yes, and it's. I took a, just a teeny weeny sip. It has a very dry smell. I love it. All right, you ready? To my ch- bottle for this little boy is pumped. I'm ready for some alcohol. All right, I'm ready to tink. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's good. Nobody else appreciates dry wine like you, so you're like either I drink alone, or I don't mean I'll drink alone, alone, but <laughs> like I drink this alone, and while other people have something else, mm-hmm. because nobody else wants a really dry wine. And I don't think of myself as a super dry wine person, but I do. I oh. am adventurous. I mm. like trying different kinds of stuff. I kind of like that burn on my tongue. It, I like sweet wines too, but there are some where. I get a headache in like 10 minutes, not from the alcohol, but from how much sugar is in them. Like, yes. Duplin wines. Yes. There's a, there's one that Mark loves. It's called, I can't remember. I think it's like Carolina Red or yes, something like I, that. that. I've had many a headache and probably a couple of hangovers from that exact wine. He loves it and he want, he likes to have it with a steak. I like, can see that though, because the fattiness like kind of cuts it and makes it not quite as sweet. Yeah, and so he he'll eat or a hamburger or something like that. But he'll he one day he was like, "Why don't you take a sip? You might like it. It's actually kind of kind of sweet." <laughs> I am the type of person I don't like a lot of chocolate. I don't like too much icing on my cake. Like I I like more natural flavoring of sugar. Like I like gummy I like, bears. I like dash of things. I like gummy bears. I like. I want it sweet, but not you open my mouth and pour the sugar down it. You don't want to punch it in the face. Right. I took a sip, and you want to talk about, like, eye twitching. I was like, oh, That's the kind where, like, your mouth starts cramping up from the initial impact of the sugar. I was like, what on earth? He's like, it doesn't taste that sweet to me. I was like, dear God. And it could also be because I... because with my PCOS, I'm mm-hmm. insulin resistant, so uh, I've been... Your body's protecting itself. <laughs> I've been told that things probably taste a little bit sweeter than they should to me. That being said, Duplin Wine, I love you. Please sponsor yes. us. <laughs> oh, no, I love some Duplin Wine. I should write them. I love some Duplin Wine, you know? And you and I should also go uh, wine hopping, so to speak, sometime. Ooh, I love to wine hop. I say go, go visit some wineries and do some tastings. Yeah, there's some out towards... um. 
Durham RTP mm-hmm. area. Corporate retreat. All right. <laughs> yeah, our own little individual <laughs> corporate retreat. Motherhood on tap industries.com. All right. Do we have craps from the internet? We do. I'm kind of like, one is an old story that I heard back before Christmas, but it was just so strange to me. I was like, I got to bring this up again. But the other one makes my little 80s child heart leap for joy, even though I'll probably never be able to go do this. But Atari plans to open video game theme resorts in eight U.S. cities. Interesting. Video games, video games, video games. Is it, and I'm sure you'll get into all this, but is it going to be just like all classic games or a mixture of old and new? I'll get into it. Oh, tell me, tell me. But the there will, I think it's going to focus mainly on the Atari 80s games, but Uh we'll get there. Um, They're opening eight video game themed hotels across the United States, um, including Las Vegas and Phoenix. And I'll list the other cities in a minute. It will break ground on its first hotel later this year in Phoenix. So that's the first one. Okay. As it seeks to create a unique lodging experience combining the brand with a video game themed destination. And what their company spokesperson said is Atari Atari hotels level up hotel entertainment. Get it? Level up with fully immersive experiences for every age and gaming ability, including the latest in VR and AR. If you don't know what that is, that's virtual and augmented reality. Okay, I didn't know what AR was. And then select hotels will also feature state-of-the-art venues and studios to accommodate esports events. So, also, if you're not aware, there is video gaming championships and sports events. So, that's what they mean by esports. Hotel development and design are being led by Shelley Murphy's GSD Group and Napoleon Smith III, producer of the wildly successful Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film franchise reboot. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The company says Atari Hotels will turn the origins of gaming and the future of the booming industry into a fun and unique travel destination. In addition to Las Vegas and Phoenix, there will also be Denver, Chicago, Austin, Texas, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose, California. Timeline for hotels other than Phoenix were not released yet. I can think of so many people of many different ages who would love that kind of resort, including the lady sitting across from me. I would, I couldn't take my kids with me. Like that would be like my, if I ever could win a vacation to do by myself, because mm-hmm. I would just be like, leave me alone. I'm playing Donkey Kong. Like, this, like kids, this isn't about you. Just go away. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like going to the Star Wars theme park section of Disney World and Disneyland. Mm -hmm. I tried to go to that, and Sabrina was like, nobody cares about that except you. But now she's starting to get into it, because she caught me watching the, or she didn't catch, she walked in while I was watching The Last Jedi, and she was like, whoa, what did that girl just do? I was like, she's a Jedi. She's using a lightsaber. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh, where's that attitude now? I was like, oh, now you're interested? But she was like, yeah, this looks pretty cool. Have a seat. Sit down. (laughs) I was like, let me show you the way of the force. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're not familiar with Atari, if you are not of that age, 
Um, Atari became a pioneer in arcade games, video, home game consoles, and home computers. So before there was Nintendo, Mm -hmm. there was Atari. And they had games such as Asteroids, Centipede. I love Centipede. Mission Command. I also love Mission Command. It's not listed here, but also they had Donkey Kong. They had the first Super Mar- they had the first Mario Brothers before really? they became Super Mario Brothers. They were part of Donkey Kong, actually. I'm a nerd. They also had um <laughs> Oh god, what it was it called? It was a race game. It was something pole, first pole, something like that. And yeah, I could go on and on and on. I never played on the original game console, I don't think, but I definitely played a computer version of Asteroids and Centipede on my computer a lot growing up. (laughs) My parents for Christmas one year gave me like the redone Atari. It's like a mini console that you plug into your TV Mm -hmm. and you have like the old joysticks. And sometimes when I'm really stressed out, I just plug it in and I'm just like in there for hours, just that's your getting my time, getting my centipede and getting my Donkey Kong. Did and did they, meanwhile, were they the ones that did Duck Hunt also. That was Nintendo. That was Nintendo. Okay. But they were the first people to do Frogger. Ah. And Pong. Their very first game was Pong, where oh, it's yeah. like the two blocks and then the ball and it goes. Oh yeah. Boop 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 boop. And that is strangely addictive for it how is. simple it is. And I'm like. Beep, 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 beep. So, um, that is so exciting. So, uh, other video gamers out there, be on the lookout for your Atari hotel. Start sending in money for Pamela to take her solo trip <laughs> to the Atari hotel. Because Mark could give two craps. Like, that... That will be our second annual corporate retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Sarah will just stand there and be like, get it! Get it! <laughs> as long as there's an Atari spa as well, I can be very much on board with that. Well, if they say that they're, like, combining, like, the whole family experience, I'm pretty sure there's going to be. If it's a resort, you know, there's a spa. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining, like, different animated figures just, like, bleep, bleep, bleeping across my face, like, spreading out the, like, green face mask and <gasps> little things. That would be so awesome. I love it. I yes. love it, too. So, moving on. This is something that happened way back in December, but I just was like, huh? And I'm going to preface this as do not take offense if I don't understand performance art or contemporary art or abstract art. I'm super intrigued now. Sarah, have you heard about the man who ate the banana that was taped to the wall? That that was the art. was a banana duct taped to a wall, and it was priced at $120,000. And he took the banana off the wall and ate it. After paying for it, or just... I don't... I, I'm not going to get or into... Or just while it was there. I mean, he just ate it. Yeah. I don't think he paid for it yet. Because in his, in this article, he um he's explaining that he is an art performance, and that was his performance, was to deface the art. Did you hear about this? I did not. I heard it on the radio, and I was like, Are you for real? He ate... And then they were like, yeah, and the banana was uh, that was taped to the wall was priced $120,000. And I was like, I'm in the wrong business. Exactly. I need to, like, think of something. And I'm not trying to make fun of art, but I'm just like, I want, like, let me go take, like, a nasty flip-flop and duct tape it to the wall. So, sorry, I'm, my brain's moving slow today. Was the guy eating it supposed to be part of it, or did he do that to intentionally disrupt it? Did intentionally disrupt it. Okay. Are you following It doesn't make it any more or less weird, but I'm just making sure I follow. So, let me explain. So, the headline is, Man who ate the $120,000 banana art installation says he isn't sorry and did it to create art. So, 
There was the banana duct taped to the wall. It sold for $120,000. Not everyone understood the artistic inspiration behind the piece, but one hungry artist did. David Datuna. Datuna? Datuna! (laughs) Not Distuna, Datuna. That ain't your banana, that my banana. That's not your cheese, that's my cheese. That's why we go there. Oh, yeah. we're special. Um, an installation and performance artist from Georgia peeled off the art piece from the wall on Saturday and ate it while hundreds of stunned onlookers watched. And he's far from apologetic. It wasn't vandalism. It was art performance from me, and absolutely, I am not sorry, he said <laughs> during a press conference on Monday. And I can't remember when this was. I apologize. I'm all for artistic expression, but this guy does sound super douchey. So at a um, press conference, he's all like, I'm not sorry. Douche! So background, the banana was part of an exhibit by renowned Italian artist Maurizio Catalan at Art Basel, Miami Beach. Okay. The piece was entitled Comedian. Sure. Why not? (laughs) The artist is known for his $6 million 18-karat gold toilet, which was stolen from the Belhem Palace earlier this year, in 2019. I have heard about the golden toilet. Yes, Yes. I did hear about the golden toilet. Datuna called Catalan one of the top artists in the world. When asked how that was possible if he ate his art, Datuna insisted that he did not consider the performance as defacing another artist's work and even called the duct tape banana banana a genius idea. In this case, it's not like I ate art, he said. Like the gallery said, it's not a banana, it's a concept. And I just ate the concept of the artist. So I think this is cool. This is fun. This is what art is about. But see, that same logic does not extend to, like, okay, if someone hung a painting on the wall and you, like, stab a knife through it and say, this is my artistic expression. This is my my performance towards your art piece. That's just you defacing a piece of art. So um, the artist, Datuna. Datuna! I love that name so much. <laughs> I'll call him David from now on. <laughs> but I'll know. I'm never going to get back through this freaking art. Tuna! <laughs> Dolphin save Tuna! <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Now I have the Mr. Charlie in my head. Aww. Okay. Mr. Charlie. Stop. <laughs> He's lived in New York City for 22 years, is known for dramatic performances, um, such as an anti-Putin show in the Red Square in Moscow. Dude's brave. Ballsy. Yeah. Two months before President Donald Trump was elected, he installed an SOS American flag in front of the White House. He said he planned to eat the banana early in the morning, even saving his appetite for his potassium-filled meal of the day. This is from CNN, so it's so a little... So the artist was planning to eat it, or...? Yeah, Datuna. Okay. He is the artist that they're referring to in this section. Again, this was written by CNN, not me. So David called the artist, <laughs> called the performance, hungry artist, because I was hungry and I just ate it. Okay. This is how artists talk with each other. We talk by art. This was his art, and this was my performance. While many in the gallery were angered when he ate the banana, Datuna says he wasn't afraid of going to jail. 
In fact, before his performance, he asked his friends to prepare to call his lawyers in case he was arrested. The gallery took all of my information and the police took all of my information, he said. What's going to happen in the next few days, I don't know. Again, it's way back in December and I didn't do a follow-up. The gallery behind the comedian um, in an Instagram post said the installation had been removed from the exhibit amid public safety concerns. And that's how the article ends. You ate a friggin' banana, and now people are pissed. You know what this really sounds like? What? Someone who just really wants his 15 minutes. Ding! Yeah. Like, whether or not he believes in it as artistic expression, I I have no no idea if he really does or not, but this just seems like, ooh, this will be controversial, but, you know, I can deface art without really defacing art, like... All I can think is, is I don't know who bought that installation, but all I can think is, is I like a good ripe banana. Like, it's just, it's just yellow. It still has a little snap to it when you bite into it. That's the kind of banana I like. Me looking at some brown, mushy banana with flies going around it. Yeah. Yeah, not, no. That was part of my question, too, is like, I have no problem with putting that up there as a piece of art, but someone buying it makes no sense because it's rapidly perishable that is the kind of person who has more money than they know what to do with accurate they could throw some our way for real for our corporate retreats <laughs> or it's- sponsorship all right but that's my craps good craps because i had to ask i was like am i the only one who reads this and it's like okay this really is first world issue yeah crap that's like- one of those ones that you read and you're like okay are they the crazy one, or am I the crazy one? Like, am I not cultured enough, or are they just really that into themselves and stupid? All the above, possibly. Gotcha. I'm glad possibly. I'm not the only judger in this in this scenario. Well, let's jump into something that might be a little bit easier to wrap our heads around. Yes. What are we talking about this week? We are talking about trying to keep your kids and even the whole family healthy during cold and flu season. Yes, which we are right in the middle of as we record this. And I want to Lysol everything. I want to Lysol everything. So I know you did some background. We kind of switched it up this week. I know. Like Sarah was like, what would you like to do? And I was like, I... Being the health nerd that I am, I was like, I really want to do the immune system and and symptoms, and mm-hmm. um, I'm even going to get into the importance of the flu vaccine. Yes. I know. I'm going there. I know it's controversial. Oh, trust me. I put a very short snippet about vaccines in my, por- my I portion, am, too. Um, by the way, me and Sarah are both very pro-vaxxers, mm-hmm. so um, not that we're saying anti-vax, you can't listen, but just know that you can't argue with us. Yeah, just know that that's going to come up, and that's going to be the recommendation that we get. Yes. So, that's that. Yes. Would you like to kick us off? I would. So, let's start with the immune system. Gather around your kids to listen to this, because it's going to be really educational. I feel like this is about to be an old episode of the Magic School Bus where they go (laughs) through the human body. (laughs) My sources for all of this is Mm kidshealth.org. And if you go under the Parents tab, there's a lot of information for you to, like, help your kids along to understand some stuff better if you're helping them with research. And then I went to the good old CDC, the Center for Disease Control. because yeah, control them diseases. Because they kind of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Not too shabby. All right. So, the immune system. 
the number one thing to remember is it's our body's defense against infections. Overall, the system, what it's meant to do is attack germs and keep our bodies healthy. It is made of, now I'm going to get really scientific here. I'm going to say these wrong because I'm not a science person. I'm bracing for impact. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, white blood cells, also known as leukocytes. But these leukocytes are broken down into phagocytes, 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 and then lymphocytes. Phagocytes chew up invading organisms. Nom, 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 yep, nom. Yep, yep. And then lymphocytes help the body remember those organisms. Like, hey, remember when so and so came over? Yeah, you don't want them to come over, so okay, eat I them saw again. You before. Yeah, I saw you. so destroy them next time. Um, and then there's a certain type of phagocyte, which is called a neutrophil, which fights bacteria. So if you have a bacterial infection, mm-hmm. the neutrophils, like sometimes if they're not in, like, let's say you've had a cold or you feel like you've had a cold for a really long time and you go see the doctor and you're like, I've had this forever and I've tried this and I've tried that. If they decide to draw blood, it's because they want to see if you have a higher rate of neutrophils in your blood, right. which indicates that it's fighting a bacteria. Yeah. Which means you probably need an antibiotic. Neutrophil sounds like a like health smoothie pyramid scheme company. Really? I was thinking of like, what is it? Clearasil? Like- that too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a multi-branch company. <laughs> it's got a lot going on. It's, it's diversified. It's Johnson & Johnson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's two types of lymphocytes. There's B lymphocytes, also known as B cells. And what they do is they start out in the bone marrow and they either stay in your bone marrow or they become B cells when they mature. Mm-hmm. And then there's T lymphocytes, also known as T cells, and these yes. go into your thymus gland when okay. they mature. The important to know the difference is think of B cells as your military intelligence system. Okay. They find their targets, they send the defense to lock into them. Like they basically like lock everything down, they surround the perimeter. Mm-hmm. The T cells are your soldiers. With their their yeah, the armed, guns, the they're armed, they're ready. They're they're gonna attack and destroy the invaders that the B cells tell them to destroy. And I feel like there are several conditions that I hear about, probably on you know such hard hitting shows as Grey's Anatomy and others, where people had diseases where they have a low T cell count, and that means that they are immunocompromised. Yeah. So you might hear some people that have. I mean, this isn't a part of it, but people that are going. Under chemotherapy, people with HIV, that are HIV positive, T-cells are very important because you need to make sure you have enough soldiers to fight any infections. And yes. if they're low, like Sarah said, they're immune compromised and they need to basically stay indoors or stay away from anyone who's sick. Mm-hmm. So overall, how does this immune system work? Well, as I said, foreign organisms come in. They're known as antigens. And the immune system identifies them... And they have to go get rid of them. So the B cells trigger the antibodies to be formed. And antibodies are special proteins that actually lock onto the antigens. They kind of like... I just have to do the exact same sound effect. Uh, Let's see. The antibodies will stay within the body in case those antigens come back. Gotcha. And that could be at any given time. 
So a good example that was given is if you think about back when we were younger, now there's a vaccine for it, but back when we were younger, if you had a friend that had chicken pox, sometimes your family would take you over to hang out with the friend with the chicken pox so you could get chicken pox. Exactly. Go ahead and get it while you're young. Because then you form the antibodies to produce the immunity. Mm-hmm. So think of it like that. Now there's a vaccine for chicken pox, but I remember that. Like I remember my, my mom was like, sit beside your sister, cough on your sister. Oh, yeah. I was the first Hug. one in our like family's network of people to get it as a child. So everyone was like bringing their kids over to like sniff my air. Meanwhile, my in-laws quarantined my husband so he wouldn't get it because they didn't want he was the only one in the house that didn't get it. So when he got to the army, he had to get the vaccine. Yeah, because if you get it as an adult, it, it can make bad. you sterile. It can yeah. make a man sterile. So FYI, vaccines are good. If you hear it. Cute little schnuffly sound. Baby boy's getting a bottle right now. Yes. Um, chicken pox. This is also how vaccines work. Mm-hmm. Vaccines introduce the body to an antigen in a way that doesn't make the body sick, but it does trigger the bodies to create the antibodies that will protect the body from future attacks by the germ. Or, in some places, completely eradicate it all in general until people stop vaccinating everybody's kids and then it comes back. Anyway, that's a different story. Uh, B cells will lock onto the antigens, but they can't destroy the germ without help. And this is where the T cells come in. They destroy the antigen with the cells infected. It didn't say how they destroy them, but they're also known as the killer cells. Mm-hmm. Also, FYI, if you want your kids to learn about all of this, watch StoryBots. Ask the StoryBots on Netflix. Mm-hmm. There is an episode called... How do you catch a cold? And it goes through all of that, like how you catch a cold, but then how your body. And it's like in a cartoon and it's very cute. And it like I was sitting there watching it going, huh, that's cool. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, I wish I'd had that back when I was in school. I might have understood the concept way better. I might have cared. Yeah. (laughs) Other things that antibodies do, they neutralize toxins that might be produced from different organisms. So like poisonous toxins or maybe even damaging substances. So Mm -hmm. what if if you accidentally... So if you think about it, salmonella, and I bring that up because I've had salmonella food poisoning and it, your body reacts really fast and you just barf your little heart out. It also activates a group of proteins called complement that are part of the immune system. These help kill bacteria, viruses, or even infected cells. And tell you that you look damn good in those janes. I'm so funny! I love it. It's complement with an E, but yes, I got it. Ayo. And all of this forms your body's immunity. Ayo. Ayo. Ding, ding. But then there's three types of immunity. Okay. Like I said, I'm bringing it to biology. You are. You're getting getting frail with this. I told you, this stuff fascinates me. I like it. I never, I wasn't smart enough to go to medical school, so this is what I can do. <laughs> Medical school or podcaster. It's one or the other. So your innate immunity Immunity. is also known as your natural immunity. And this is general protection. So the example would be your skin Mm -hmm. that protects. It's a barrier that blocks the germs from getting in your muscles or your organs and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Your system will recognize something foreign as it tries to enter that could be dangerous. And also, your skin will try to heal itself, so it forms the scab to block out the germs. Adaptive immunity, or active immunity, it develops throughout our life. And this is the type of immunity that I was explaining that 
the B cells and the C cells develop as you get older. And is, um, is that the one that's based on what you're exposed to, or is that just based on aging? This is what you're basically exposed to. So diseases that you're exposed to throughout your life and that and things you're vaccinated for. Gotcha. And then there's something called passive immunity. And passive immunity is only something for like a, from another source and for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like baby Riley getting antibodies from your breast milk. Yay! Here you go, buddy. And to give baby baby Riley temporary immunity through your immunity. Mm -hmm. Or when the baby's in utero, they have your immunity as well because they're there. We share. So those are the types. So that's the immune system. It's glorious. (laughs) So what's the difference between the flu and a cold? Tell me. Okay. The flu, well, the flu sucks. The flu sucks. A cold yeah. sucks, but the flu really sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> so both are respiratory illnesses, but they are both completely different viruses, and mm-hmm. people get that confused. Um, not mentioned here, the, f- the, influenza, the influenza virus is not the same as the stomach flu. You can be vomiting with the influenza virus, but it is not what the stomach flu actually is. Yeah, it's a completely different there, virus. There, there's a big difference when, between what we call the flu and, yeah, actual influenza. Yes. So the stomach flu, that's the norovirus. That's something different. We're not going to talk about that right mm-hmm. now. Uh, but to, to figure out which is which... Think of this. Flu is worse than the common cold, and the symptoms are more intense. So think of that. So usually people who have a cold, it's all more upper respiratory. Mm-hmm. It's your head is stuffy. You have a runny nose. Maybe your ears hurt. Maybe your eyes hurt. Maybe you mm-hmm. have a really bad headache, and you just want to sleep. Um, the flu can lead to some serious health problems if it go, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't get any treatment for mm-hmm. it. It can lead to pneumonia. It can open yourself up to bacterial infections, and you can even be hospitalized, and you can even die Mm -hmm. from complications of the flu. And I believe it can also aggravate other pre-existing conditions. Yes, it can. So if you're, I think it was like I think it's on here like diabetic, or for instance, my mom having chemotherapy and stuff. If she were to catch the flu, she would almost probably be in ICU because she has no immune system to fight it off. So things like that. So what you need to look for with flu symptoms, if you have a fever or feeling feverish or the chills, a cough, a sore throat, runny or stuffy nose, muscle or body aches, that's one for sure. I've had the flu a few times and I feel like my bones are breaking. Mm -hmm. Headaches and then fatigue or tiredness. They have here on the CDC a cold symptom is runny or stuffy nose. It's a little more than that. You can also have a scratchy, also sore throat and other stuff. And there's also a really cool infographic. Is it a cold or flu? And so here's one thing that you have to remember is the symptom onset. With a cold, the symptoms are gradual. With the Mm -hmm. flu, it's very abrupt. It comes on fast. Oh, true. Yeah, you like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I'm dying. It will happen to me. Um, The fever is very rare when a cold is. It's typical with the flu. Mm -hmm. Um, Aches, again, typical with the flu. You might have some aches from a cold, but it's mainly just because like your head feels like it's going to explode because it's so congested. Chills, you don't normally have that with a cold. It's common with the flu. Fatigue, sometimes with a cold. Sneezing, common with a cold, not with the flu, not as common. Chest discomfort, it might be mild to moderate with a cold. It is what it is with the flu. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. 
Again, Steffi knows sometimes with the flu, a sore throat sometimes with the flu, but headache, definitely common. It says rare here for a cold, but sometimes, you know, you get that facial pain from Yeah, because you're just like, I've been sneezy 50 times and my head hurts. <laughs> if you're like me, I'm like, I want my nose to stop running. Yes. So now I'm going to move into the importance of the flu vaccine. Give it to us. All right. I'm going there. Mm-hmm. I get my flu vaccine. Do you, Sarah? I do. Good. Especially when they're little ones around. Yes, definitely. All right. So benefits. Fact one, the flu vaccine can actually keep you from getting sick with the flu. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, well, every time I get the flu shot, I get the flu. No, not really. No, you're having a reaction. You might be having a reaction. Which is still way better than the actual flu itself. Yes. You can have like a little low-grade fever. You can have a little bit of a headache afterwards. You can feel tiredness. Mm-hmm. But then like two days later, you feel fine. Yeah. It's not a two-week ordeal. So here's some stats. The vaccine prevents millions of illnesses and flu-related doctor visits each year. During 2017 and 2018, the vaccine prevented an estimated 6.2 million flu illnesses, 3.2 flu-associated medical visits, 9,000 flu-associated hospitalizations, and 5,700 flu-associated deaths. And like I said... You can die from complications of the flu. Absolutely. Especially if you think of at-risk populations like the elderly, very young children, or pregnant women. Yes. During seasons when the flu vaccine viruses are similar to the circulate, or a flu vaccine is similar to the flu viruses that are circulating, the vaccine has shown to reduce the risk of having to go to the doctor with the flu by 40 to 60%. Think of all those medical costs you're saving here, people. Yes. The vaccine can reduce the risk of flu-associated hospitalizations for children, working adults, and older adults. The vaccine prevents tens of thousands of hospitalizations a year. As I said before, during 2017 and 2018, that was 91,000. A 2014 study showed that the vaccine reduced children's risk of flu-related pediatric intensive care, or PICU, admissions by 74%. And this study covered the uh, 2010 to 2012 flu seasons. Mm -hmm. It reduces the risk of flu-related hospitalizations for older adults, elderly, by 40%. In a 2018 study, which is the years um, between 2012 and 2015, the vaccine reduced the risk of being admitted to the ICU with the flu by 82% amongst adults. Mm -hmm. So that's working and elderly adults. It's also a critical preventive measure for people with chronic health conditions, which you were just saying earlier. So the flu vaccine has actually been related to lower rates of some cardiac events with people with heart disease, Hmm. um, especially those who had a cardiac event, a.k.a. a heart attack, the previous year, which I thought was fascinating. It can reduce the worsening and hospitalization of flu-related lung diseases like COPD, Mm. So if you have asthma or COPD, uh, flu is very horrible. I remember when my niece had it and when her when she had asthma and it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, like anything you already have a rough time with your airway and your respiratory system anyway, but then you add a lot more like harsh yes. I don't even know what word to think of symptoms on top of it. Your body is just like yeah. I hate Well if this. you think I think it's also with the fever too, you you tend to breathe harder because your body is trying to fight that infection mm-hmm. and you're hot and you start to breathe a little heavier. Woo, that was a good burp. That was a good burp, buddy. Yeah, Riley, you get a see he's welcomed into the burping club. It's Yay. official. 
All right. And it also reduces hospitalization for people with diabetes and other chronic lung diseases. And then now we're going to go to women, um, protect women during and after pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It reduces flu re- reduces the risk of flu-related acute respiratory infection by one half in pregnant women. Wow. In a 2018 study, the flu shot reduced a pregnant woman's risk of being hospitalized by the flu by average of 40% during the 2010 through 2016 flu seasons. So 40%. That's a big number. Yeah. And they've also shown, the studies also have shown that the flu shot has helped protect the baby for the flu for several months after birth, which is good because a baby is not old enough to get the flu shot yet until they're six months. And as someone who has had not one but two babies in the middle of cold and flu season, and when I gave birth to Daisy, it was one of the record worst cold and flu seasons that we'd had in decades. So I was very happy that I was able to pass that immunity along to both of them. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had mine and they they entered daycare right at the beginning of cold and flu season when they can't get it yet. Yeah, like they go to daycare like in October, right at the beginning of this the season, and I just had to like sit there and pray like nobody breathe on them, nobody do. Like, I didn't even think about that. Ugh. And so I would just be like, I'm not going to think about it. And then as soon as I hit that six month, they were like, Would you like them to have the flu? Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, uh, if a lot of people aren't sure or uh, didn't know, with six month olds, they're because the flu shot is kind of intense. They break it up into two, mm-hmm. so they get the initial flu shot, and then they get what they call the booster a month later for it to kind of really drive it home. So get your flu shot. And not only for babies, but children in general. In a 2017 study, the flu shot significantly reduced a child's risk of dying from the flu. And this was the first study of its kind. It was actually just studying the flu vaccine in children. Mm -hmm. Reduces the severity of illnesses for people who get vaccinated but still get sick. And I have a good story, a personal story to vouch for this after I give you the stats. And a 2017 study showed that the flu shot reduced deaths, ICU admissions, ICU stays, and overall hospitalization duration among flu patients. And then in a 2018 study, vaccinated patients were 59% less likely to be admitted to the ICU than those who had not been vaccinated. Among adults in the ICU with flu, vaccinated patients on average spent four fewer days in the hospital than those who were not vaccinated. Yeah. Personal story. In 2015, Sabrina was over a little over two and she got the, we all, we all got our flu shot like we always did, but she got the flu and I gave her Tamiflu. Luckily, she was able to take it and tolerate it. Within three days, her fever was broken, and she was, like, back at it, and she was ready to go back mm-hmm. to daycare and play with her friends. Then I got it. I got Tamiflu on top of my flu shot. I was back in work in two days. My fever broke within, like, the next day, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Woo!" I felt like Wonder Woman when it broke. And, you know, most people, when you have the flu, you're not back at work two days later. No, like, most people I know who have had the legitimate flu they're down for like a week and a half yeah my husband actually he didn't get vaccinated last year and he was down for two weeks solid yeah it's it's no joke it was no joke he actually wore a face mask he had like a fever of 103 for about a good week that just sounds absolutely miserable yeah he looked miserable and it took me forever to finally get him to go to the doctor and of course by that time he missed the window to take tamiflu any Mm -hmm. antivirals 
And he's like, it's just a cold. I'm like, you don't have that kind of fever with a cold. And I looked at him and I said, listen, dude, I'm pregnant. You have a five and a two-year-old. If you pass out, none of us can help you. Yeah. There's no, we'll call the ambulance, but you just kind of have to lay there. Because what are we going to do? I can't lift you. I'm Mm -hmm. pregnant. But anyway, one last thing. The flu shot can also protect people around you that are vulnerable to the flu. As I mentioned, my mom with her chronic, her stage four cancer, but also babies and young children, elderly people, and then other people with certain chronic health conditions. I feel like that's been the campaign ad that they've been running this cold and flu season is that Getting your flu shot is not just about you. It's, it's not about it, you. It, that it's, it really is about all the different people around you that you can help. Well, I tell people sick. constantly the va- that any vaccine is not about you. It's not about me. It's about everyone around us. Is it about you, baby boy? It is about you, Riley. We got to keep you well because you're too cute. I know. You're too cute and precious. I will say my husband used to work in elderly care. And I can't remember what exact, I think it was his very last year. And this is what pushed him over the edge, I think, to to just quit and start over fresh with a completely different occupation. He lost six or seven people in his assisted living unit mm. to flu. And, you know, you form a bond with them oh, and yeah. stuff. And he was just, he was crushed. He's a very, he doesn't look like, a, he doesn't come across as very tenderhearted, but he is a very tenderhearted man, so. That kind of pushed him over the edge. So it does happen. They were fine one day. The next day they had a mild fever. Then they started coughing. And so he took them to the hospital. And then a day or two later, they were gone. And then one of our co- well, guy, a man that we worked with, a very nice gentleman, he got the flu. Mm-hmm. But he passed it on to his wife, who I guess she had some, some sort of chronic condition and mm-hmm. ended up getting the flu with pneumonia on top of that and she had to have half of her lung removed and she almost died yeah that's not good and he got the flu from a co-worker who came in with the flu with a fever highly contagious and came to work that's what pisses me off when people come in it's like yeah whatever you're showing that you're dedicated and you're coming in to get a job but like we don't want what you have i don't understand that's not showing dedication that's just i don't know i don't like it i don't like companies that are like i don't care if you're sick work has to get done it's like no that's stupid because the one person can infect the rest of the group and then you're really down on production the flu season's so bad at Sabrina's school this year. I got a phone call from the principal. It was like an automated phone call. They had got the district in there to literally scrub the school because half of the teachers have been out sick with the flu and half, like more than half of the students. I've heard, I don't know if this was your school, but I heard of some schools they actually had to close the school for a yeah, couple of days because they didn't have enough teachers. It hasn't been her school yet, but yes, there's been some local schools that have had to do that. And what I thought was the saddest was, please, please don't send your your student to school if they they have to be fever free for 24 hours without medication and vomit for free for 24 hours. And I get it. Like some people don't have sick time. They have a hard time. But you're just going to make your child sicker longer and then you're going to get everybody else sick. And I mean, my daycare has the same rules and I understand it where you're just like really hard. You're like. Okay, they seem better. Can I just take them back? Yes, I know. No, it's for their benefit and for everyone's benefit. So if you want something that will really make you laugh, look up on YouTube. I think search uh, Gold Nurse Grinch, 
And it's this guy who I think actually works for, I think he's a principal of a school somewhere, but he just kind of goes on these different rants about different topics. And on this particular one, he's doing it from the point of view of the school nurse and just all the like stereotypical, annoying child and parent problems oh, that they run into. Oh, I know who you're talking about It's now. fantastic. Yes, Look I love that up. guy. He's funny. What do you mean your kid was vomiting this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they at school? <laughs> <laughs> but they seem fine after they threw up. <sighs> Don't be those people. Any okay. more background info? No, I do have a list of, like, the different types of... There's apparently, like, a lot of different types of flu shots mm-hmm. and flu vaccines out there. But I know we're going over, so I want to get to your tips and tricks. Sure. Uh, so one fun fact that I found when I was doing some of my research was... Did you know that it's normal for kids to catch a cold or virus about 8 to 12 times a year? Yes, I did know that. And it's normal for babies to have that many colds in their first year. Which seems like so much And then I, until I think about how many runny noses Daisy has come home with and how many times she had to stay home for a couple of days yeah. for different things. So much snot. Mm-hmm. If you're a first-time mom, welcome. Welcome to the snot club. You will never not have snot on you for the next 18 years. Pretty much. Yep. yep. So... Um, I went and brainstormed a list of kind of best practices for how to keep both your kids and just your family as a whole healthy. And this is all on top of, you know, just eat a balanced diet and try to get good nutrients into your system. Some of these will be common sense, but hopefully some of these will give some new ideas of, you know, some things that you can do to help your family. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost... Teach your kids how to properly wash their hands. A to the man. Yes. And do this before meals and snacks, after each visit to the toilet, after blowing your nose, and when hand washing is not possible, try to have some alcohol-based hand sanitizer available. I will also say anytime your child um, touches or plays with their mouth, because if you have a three-year-old, they're all... Oh, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Well, my three-year-old doesn't want to wash her hands anymore, so you have to physically force her. You have to wash her hands for her. Yeah, you know how Aurora is. He's squirming. He's squirming on his little pillow. Uh, Number two, as we just mentioned, don't send your child to school sick. Don't do it. I have it in bold capital letters, multiple exclamation points. Honestly, they don't want your kid there, and your kid really doesn't Mm want to be there, and... Yeah, and this is not a, you know, we're trying to baby everyone, and... Oh, little Johnny is just sniffling. No, if they are legitimately sick with a fever or other very contagious things or they have diarrhea or whatever it happens to be, they don't need to be at school and they don't need to be around other people. Honestly, when I have a high fever, I could barely walk as a kid. Um, So this might sound counterintuitive with some of the other stuff we've mentioned, but number three, don't go nuts with sanitizing everything in your house. Oh, yeah. You don't want to kill the good germs. No, because kids need exposure to healthy levels of dirt and germs in their everyday life in order to build up their immune systems. Now, if someone in your house has the flu or something else really bad, yeah, feel free to go and, you know, and fumigate wipe, it. <laughs> wipe, down, wipe down the doorknobs and other surfaces that everyone is touching. But in general, just di- don't go crazy with that. You remember how you always said Mark didn't have any chill? Well, after yeah. my latest sinus infection and Sabrina had an ear infection, he, like, literally went around with Lysol and, like, Lysol'd everything. And I was like, you do realize that this is, like, bacteria. It's not viral, right? Like, like that's, sh- that's <laughs> completely pointless what you're doing. Like, what we have is not contagious. He was like, you don't know that. I'm like, 
I have chronic sinusitis. I do know that. It makes me feel better. I was like, dude, you have no chill. But also, funny story. If you Google, back in the day, Wanda Sykes used to have a show, like a sketch comedy yeah. show. And there was one where it was talking about, she was talking about, you need good germs. And so a bunch of people were like standing in line to go into somewhere. And so she's got like a spray bottle and she's like spraying people. And she's like, it's the good germs. <laughs> it's what keeps you alive. It was funny. You have to Google I that. I love Wanda Sykes. Number four, this is something I've always thought about for adults, but I never really thought about it for kids. But it's totally obvious. Make sure everyone gets enough sleep. A to the man. Because everyone, no matter what age you are, your immune system gets weaker when you don't get enough rest. Yeah. In general, you are just a grumpier, not happy person. Unless you, like, live in my house and none of us sleep, except the baby. Ever, ever, ever. Ever, ever. Uh, number five, teach your kids important habits to, for avoiding illness, such as cough and sneeze into your elbow. Yes. That's one of the biggest things. My husband drives me crazy because he thinks that that's great. He's like, I hate that my elbow gets all wet. I'm like, why are you sneezing so wetly? <laughs> so he just like turns his head away from everyone and just sneezes into the open room like, sweetie, that is disgusting. And also your sneezes smell like nasty watermelon. I try not to vomit as you talk about that. (laughs) Welcome to my house. Oh. Hey, my man has a big bushy beard. Imagine that when his allergies strike. Oh, true. Uh, Next part of that is teach them don't don't share cups, utensils, or chapstick with other kids or anything that really comes in contact with, you know, your mouth, your spit, saliva, anything like that. It's very hard to do with little kids when they rummage through your purse, but yes, agreed. Oh yeah, and Daisy just picks up my bottle and starts drinking whatever I have. I'm like, okay, cool. Or they're like, can I have a bite of that? And just grabs my fork and like eats off of it. And I'm like, I'm gonna go get another one. (laughs) And then finally, and like you said, this is nearly impossible to do, but try to teach them not to touch their eyes, nose, or mouth. Or if they have to, try to get them to do it with clean hands, which, uphill battle, I know, but ideally. Yeah, this is my daily my daily comment to Aurora. Aurora, get your hand out of your mouth. Why do you have your whole fist in your mouth? Mm-hmm. And she'll like pull it out. She's like, I just want to. I'm like, that's nasty. Go wash your hands. I wipe it on myself. And I'm like, and your shirt's it's not dirty. the same. <laughs> well, and she's been at, like, preschool, so and I know they've been outside, like, oh. It's just getting worse. That's why, like, she hates taking a bath, but I practically, like, just dunk her under the water. I'm like, you must get clean. <laughs> just throw her into the to a tub of uh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> It'll kill all the germs. Uh, number six. Again, something I thought about for adults, but not necessarily for kids. Monitor your kids' stress levels. Huh. And this goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about previously with bullying, too. Like, you want to keep an eye on your kids' mental health as well as their physical health, because the two are very much related to each other. Yeah, I know when I get, like, really stressed out, that's when I actually end up with a cold slash goes into a sinus infection and that could be everything from you know how's their school workload are they doing too many activities do they have problems with their friends that are affecting them are their family things going on uh number seven ensure everyone eats a well-balanced diet especially a good breakfast as we've all heard ever since we were like two years old uh this is another one which i didn't think about but i'm like oh this makes sense too choose a high quality backpack for your kids to help avoid back and neck pain because kids have so much stuff that they have to carry these days. Mm-hmm. I, I've literally seen the ones where it's it's like a cartoon where the book bag is twice as big as the child is. And I'm like, how are you not falling over? 
I will say in my kids' school system, they do a lot of stuff online. So Sabrina's book bag is pretty much just her take-home folder, which includes like any, like the folder is like one side has like keep at home all the assignments that she's completed Mm -hmm. and any additional homework. And then the other side is like anything that I need to return back to her teacher. And then she'll have a reading folder. And that's it because everything else they do on their computers. Now, I know that there's some, now as she gets older, there will be books. Yeah. Uh, number nine, learn how to spot and treat head lice. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. Tea tree oil is mm-hmm. the best thing mm-hmm. for preventing. I know, like, I'm not going to get all into the essential oils and stuff, but tea tree oil, especially in the southeast, because we have what is known as super lice. Oh, great. <laughs> so the stuff that you buy over the counter, that doesn't necessarily going to work, and it's not necessarily going to kill the nits, which are the eggs. Right. But the tea tree oil, it's actually good for prevention. So when Sabrina was um, not long after she started first grade, there was a letter sent home saying, you know, a kid in the class had head lice, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, use prevention, what to look for. Well, I looked through her hair. I didn't see anything, but I mixed together some tea tree oil, Mm -hmm. some water with a little bit of Epsom salt, shake it up, spritz her hair really good, and use that for a couple of days, and you just comb it through, and she's like, my hair stinks, and I'm like, shush, you're not going to get bugs in your head. Mm -hmm. And also, another thing to prevent is they don't like a clean scalp. They do like a clean scalp. They don't like a dirty scalp. Okay. So, if 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 you wash your kid's hair like every other day, they're less likely to get it. I've learned over the years. <laughs> You're battle hardened. <laughs> Number ten, and I'm not. I'm not going to litigate this here. There's plenty of information about this out there already. Oh, I'm intrigued. Vaccinate your children, including an annual flu vaccine, as Pamela's already told us. I'm thumbs upping her as I swallow my wine. Yep. As we've said, Pamela and I are both pro-vaccine. We've seen all the, vaccines. the benefits of what it can do, as well as the damage that not getting vaccinated can do. And this is not meant to be judgmental to anyone who thinks otherwise. I would just very much encourage you to do your homework because I want everyone to be safe. And I just want to say that we do go online to find our research for our shows. But there is nothing better than listening to your pediatrician because they went to medical school. They did lots of internships and fellowships and research themselves to be mm-hmm. that type of doctor so they know what they're talking about. So that's, it. So that's the end of, end of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 11, encourage regular activity and exercise. Research shows that inactive children get sick much more often. That's interesting. Um, number 12, for adults, avoid smoking and other tobacco products. Amen. Yes, because similar to not exercising, kids who are exposed to smoke and other tobacco byproducts are sick much more often. Sorry for sneering, but I just... No, you're good. So if you need help with that, reach out to your doctor. There are lots of good programs and medications, patches, things out there that can help you quit. Uh, number 13, keep an eye on your kids' developmental milestones. Okay. So this is especially true when they're very, very young, but even as they get older. And, you know, if a kid's a little bit delayed with a milestone, that's not, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, something's terribly wrong. But just keep an eye on it and talk to their pediatrician if you have any concerns. Yeah. Brianna's six months and she still has yet to roll over either way, back to front and front to back. Mm -hmm. But her pediatrician was like, She checks off all the other milestones, so it's probably just her size that she's petite for her age, and she just can't quite get that body weight over. 
Uh, number 14, if your child has special med- needs or ongoing medical concerns, touch base with the school nurse. And this is someone who has a sibling who is a school nurse. They are a great resource. They are there to help. Please make use of them if you need them. Yes. And finally, and I thought this was very profound when I saw it, provide love and support to your kids. No! Because nothing, that's the foundation for everything else is if they don't feel love and secure in their home relationships, you're just setting up a bad environment for all other factors. You know, there's nothing wrong with snuggles. Everyone needs a good snuggle. So that's what I have. There are, I'm sure, a million other tips that you could find out there, but I thought these were a good, this was a good list that people could maybe pull a couple of new things from to try out. And Definitely. Yeah, we all, we all know that we're going to get sick. Our kids are going to get sick, but mm-hmm. we want to keep them as healthy as possible so that something that's, you know, not a big deal and just goes out of their system in a few days doesn't turn into something much more serious. Exactly. And like Pamela said, bottom line, if you have any concerns, we are not medical professionals, so please Absolutely not. Please reach out to your healthcare providers. And if you're going to do online research again, I recommend the CDC mm-hmm. or the National Health Institute or Mayo Clinic. St. People Jude's. who have actual doctorates and degrees and not just opinions. Because, I mean, hey, we, we are people who just have opinions. We don't have me- yeah. medical degrees. We, cho- we do our research, so we do the best we can. But ultimately, we are not doctors. And we all can fall down the rabbit hole. So be safe, be healthy, and still drink a glass of wine occasionally. Well, I'm going to go snuggle this little boy, and yeah. you are going to go home and rest a little bit. Yes. Let the wine wear off before tomorrow. Yes. I have transitions going on in my life, and I'll talk about it next some, some other time. Yay! Yes. I hear you, buddy. We're trying to sign. Oh, just one more minute, Riley. We're trying to sign off. One more sign off. I'm Sarah Nugget. And I'm Pamela Hockerdees. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is by Yov Aliagon. Be sure to check out the Motherhood on Tap page on Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the show. You can subscribe and follow Motherhood on Tap on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other podcast apps. If you have questions or funny stories, you can email us at motherhoodontap at gmail.com. Partner with us on Patreon.com for special bonus episodes and help keep this podcast and the two of us in business. Till next time. time.